The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Friday here. Uh, of course, it's where we close with a song where we talk about a music video, music video, which is in conjunction with And now back here again to discuss yet another music video. Um, one of the hosts of the Halloweenies podcast, one of the hosts of the Windy City Double Features podcast, Cheap Tracks. He may have more podcasts by the time this drop. <laughs> it may be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, Music Box and Horse Drive-In Programmer and Rock Island Public House, Man of the Hour, Mike Vanderbilt. Thank you for having me, Brandon. And thank you for like, I, one of the reasons I started the Cheap Tracks podcast is because I don't get to talk about music as in depth as I'd like to. I'm kind of known as a as a movie guy you know in social mm-hmm. media circles and everything because of halloweenies but uh, quickly one of my favorite things to do on halloweenies was when we were doing a movie that had a pop soundtrack to kind of dive into the history and educate myself like i mm-hmm. i know stuff right learn more and that's what's been fun about this doing this series with you is to, is learning more bits of trivia that i can impress my friends with gotcha. or just aggravate people <laughs> somebody asked ashley uh once on twitter Ashley, my bartending partner mm-hmm. from Rock Island Woman goes, do you listen to any of Mike Vanderbilt's podcasts? And she says, no, I listen to that motherfucker run his mouth far too much as it is. Fair enough. He lives rent free in my head. Not not for that reason. <laughs> well, it's uh, like if you if you do see me tending bar, I'm usually working on a bit. I'm usually working out a bit for one of my podcasts. The other day, what were we talking? I can't remember what Ashley was sitting at the bar. <laughs> and she goes. Is this a bit? I'm like, it, it might be. She goes, yeah, it needs a little bit more work. You're not alone. I, I do that. Uh, I do that. And like before I write reviews and stuff, like I'll, I'll text with one of my movie chat groups or something. It'd be like, start throwing ideas. I'm spitting. And then it'll like wind up, wind up there. And I, you know, I, one of my uh, friends was in, uh, I live in Los Angeles. So I worked with uh, say, uh, Maranzio Vance. Uh, we used to uh, sit together. He's a stand up comic. And like he was working on bits through normal chat and stuff um, that would wind up in his stand-up act, which you could tell he's working on. But um, yeah, I'm gonna do. You know what? Hopefully, by the time this says, I I've been constantly daring myself, and people have been daring me to finally try stand-up comedy because it was always a dream of mine, and I just I haven't figured out like what my bit is gonna be. You know, gotcha. Yeah, you gotta have sure. some edge. Yeah, some, I don't know. Tools have already been taken. Tim Allen kind of put the kibosh on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. True. And speaking of, speaking of music, uh, one thing I've been contemplating for my show for year three is possibly doing episodes that are like just to look at an album track by track and talk about it for for an episode. So I don't know. Maybe I maybe folks. I, I think it's a great idea. Could could do that. Thinking about that. 
So, uh, today, this track that we do have, uh, Only the Lonely, comes to us from the new wave band, The Motels, the lead singer from a uh, single from their third album, All for One, which would later be a pop group in the 90s, right? Uh, I remember them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I swear, right? Uh, yes, that was it. Yeah. Uh, this song peaked at number nine on the Hot 100 finishing 29th from the year and was number 27 on the adult contemporary track and number 10 on mainstream rock. So, uh, you know, motels motels for the listeners. I just want to put out there. It may be a band that they're like, I don't know. I don't remember. Go type in a song called suddenly last summer. You'll be like, Oh, okay. That's that That song. You know, I always thought they were British. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't believe I think there's that's what the things. new wave bands, you're always like, kids hey, are probably British. Yeah, you know, that's I think that's fair. It's like there's a lot of things that were like, I was almost gonna start a Twitter prompt. Like, what's something that feels British but isn't? Because like I have no reason for this, but Phantom of the Paradise always feels very British to me. It does, and it's De Palma. <laughs> and it's De Palma and it's shot in Dallas, fucking Texas, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it couldn't be any less. Well, Paul British. Paul Williams, he's not British, but he gives no. a British vibe. Right? Like, there's things that feel British oh, that aren't British. Jessica Harper, who's in Suspiria, that is a Italian movie, but you're like, oh, she's European, right? No. Right. No. no. So, yeah, so, I get that. But they're very much American. They were formed in Berkeley, California. Yeah. Uh, the songs, this song, they credit the success to the video we're talking about. They say that that's... That's what the catapult them to success. This what catapult it's, the song. The song. The song. They don't think would have been successful without this video. It is a cool tune, but uh, the video is very distinct. It uh, again, like we were talking about, kind of like chasing chasing trends or setting the trends. And I do feel like this video kind of sets a lot of the trends with its stylishness that came to music videos. Mm-hmm. And I think we owe that a lot to my favorite fun fact from this episode that it was directed by. Russell Mulcahy. Yes. You want to tell them who that guy is? Well, Russell Mulcahy is an Australian film director who I knew because of, uh, I've always recognized him for Highlander to Quicken, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Well, the uh, first British. Highlander, too. Oh, he did he do the first one, too? Yeah. I forgot that. Okay. Uh, and I, Razorback, which is not, um, the ending of that movie is far better than the rest of that movie because it should be Jaws on Land about a giant fucking Razorback boar, but it's just not that good. But he kind of got his start in music videos, which is something you don't really see. Right. Because in the 80s and 90s, so many feature film directors that became very good directors Mm -hmm. started out directing music videos. But listen to to this. Listen to this. ACDC. I mean, Australia, right? Right. Eventually, if you're Australian, you're going to end up uh, associated. (laughs) 10CC, who we discussed on a previous episode, Mm -hmm. The Vapors Turning Japanese, Kim Carnes, Betty Davis size. Like these are iconic music videos of that era. Bunch Total of Total Eclipse of the Heart. Uh, Rod Stewart, Tonight I'm Yours. We talked uh, his video Lots for Billy Joel's John. Pressure on the show last year at 1.2, but I don't think I went into depth about McKay too much at that but time. Just, and um, uh, directed uh, The Shadow. The '90s superhero adaptation, mm-hmm. but also directed the Gangbusters. Uh, it's a there's a song called "Original Sin," written by Jim Steinman, performed by Taylor Dane, and Russell Mulcahy also directs the video. It has oh, a Gangbusters fucking tune. Yeah. I, w- I will say, you know, Highlander, the first one, it is a v- musical experience. 
um, I don't think I think it's overlooked when uh, there's a, a finding appreciation for that film because you know they have Queen write all the music around it, but there's a, I love there's a when very a movie has a, a rock and roll score like right yes it's rare that it happens and that it's done well, but you know I think I, we can owe a lot of that to Russell Mulcahy probably mm-hmm. having worked with them and like knowing how to direct. How to choreograph, I suppose, things to music, to the set to music, right? He, uh, yeah, unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, he correctly used the song Who Wants to Live Forever in a movie. Um, <laughs> a moment that still cracks me up when I think about it. Uh, have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? No. The one where Freddie Mercury's no de- lip syncs the whole time? No uh, desire. Well, oh, no so, desire. So get this, Mike. Here, let me whine about rock biopics for a minute. All right, I'll tell you what I find funny after you... No, no, let me just get this out. More rock biopics should stop covering the whole career and just focus on an important moment in that band's life. Let's get Springsteen recording Nebraska. Let's get Prince recording uh, Dirty Mind. Let's get, like, just laser focus on one particular era. Any biopic biopic should do that. It should Because you'll get everything that person, that band, that everything is from that moment. Um, It'll all come out. But, like... Yeah, like every biopic does not need to be, they were born on this day, they went through this, here's all the greatest, it's the greatest hits that's boring, like, oh, there's the thing, there's the thing. Um, Yeah, they should focus on one spot that's important. I 100% agree. Um, The Bohemian Rhapsody part that cracked me up, so it's after, like, Freddie Mercury finds out he has AIDS or whatever, or not AIDS, well, he had HIV at the time, and he yes. goes and he gets up, and it's like this boring morning, and or this sad morning, sad bastard, and he's looking at himself in the mirror, and they're playing "Who Wants to Live Forever," and I'm like, this song was written about immortals chopping their heads off. <laughs> like, this was written for fucking Highlander. It's not about like you're making a Queen movie. You should know this. You should know this. I cried. I died. I was laughing so hard. I was like, this is no, no, no. Oh, but we give Oscars to lip syncing too. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, the, the song is about empty success and like being popular or not feeling it at home. Like it's very much, um, it's the same kind of subject matter as a later song. Blink 182's Adam song was very much about that. Um, but yeah, I was I was reading about I was what not it was. Expect, I was not expecting a Blink 182 connect. Yeah, yeah, it's they're they're basically about the same thing. Um, that she had some uh, critical claim success, and then like she hadn't recovered from her, her parents had died. Um, she hadn't felt better from that yet, and it was just a contradiction of worlds that she was living in. Like she was a star, but not feeling like she was a star. Martha Davis. um, Yeah. She was, she she wrote the song. Yeah. Wrote the song. That's worth noting. Mm -hmm. Stone Uh, cold Fox and looking good in this video kind of got like a 1940s femme fatale look going on. It wants to be eighties Casablanca. That's what this video, but that's one of my favorite. I love Mm -hmm. it's good stuff. Eighties. Like 1940s, 50s, 60s, via the 80s. That's like one of my favorite aesthetics. A lot of coral, a lot of sea foam, uh, smoky rooms, smoky rooms. Like, yeah. I love smoky rooms. You know, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on this show. Okay. One of the things, one of my favorite things from the 80s, anyway, it's it intersects with music videos a little bit, was night Michelob's 1988 The Night Belongs to Michelob campaign. Okay. Do you remember these commercials? 
I might. I'm not sure. I was. They were always set around six at that time. They were always set around New York or like a major downtown area, and they were in smoky bars and hot people like looking at each other's in bars, and they would always get like they had Genesis or Phil Collins or you know or Eric Clapton playing a, a tune like a rock tune over. It. Okay, it was, they were very moody in their atmosphere. I think, and I, I you know, and they're always set around nightlife, right? A lot of neon, a lot of rain, you know, rain drenched streets all the neon reflecting off of it and it just made fucking nightlife look cool and it's like i think it may have made me wanted to become a bartender because i thought uh-huh. that's what my friday nights were gonna look like uh throughout the rest of my life they oh they, maybe a little bit but this video definitely has that aesthetic well because the the, the uh, michelob campaign was obviously a reaction to mm-hmm. music video culture in the 80s especially with the use of the rock bands but it's a it's a great ad campaign one of my favorites and I definitely can see the influence from yeah. Him on that. I mean, it's got a very Tony Scott look to this video. Yes, um, Tony Tony Scott. Like everything's smoky, everything's orange. You know, you got the it, fans. It's, it's heightened. It it's yeah. stylish. There's aesthetics, and I like that. I'll take that over. You know, neorealism any day of the week. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. That's one one of the reasons I love that RRR movie. Everybody talks about when I saw. Oh, it I have not. I haven't seen it. Uh. But I hear it's fucking amazing. Oh yeah, it's oh it is makes it does not apologize for a single thing it is, and I love that. Um, I, Katie Rife, our friend, you know, mm-hmm. friend of the show, described it as like. So it'd be like if in, if this movie was made in America, it'd be like, what if Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin turned into fucking tigers? Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, it was oh so good. Oh man, that. That's a good thing. I, and the funny thing is, uh, I took my son to that one just on a like, well, he needs something to do today. I'm like, I show him the trailer. Would you be? It's three hours. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. He loved it. So I was like, all right, that's good. That's, that's good cool. Thing. How old is he? Thirteen. He's ten. He's ten. Yeah. And like, you know, that's cool because that like you're introducing him to like, you're introducing him to the world of you know the world of cinema. Like true world cinema, yeah. But you're not taking her to some boring ass shit that a kid ain't gonna enjoy, right? Like you're taking him to the cool action picture. Yeah, he thought it was. He was like, he goes, he, he he's like, he nudged me at part of the movie. He goes, can I swear right now? I'm like, yeah, sure. Go. Well, you guys say he goes, those are the two most badass dudes I've ever seen in a movie before. Like, that's <laughs> like, awesome. All right. And he's watching a movie. He's Ted. He's fourth grade. Watching a movie in Hindi and just loving it. I'm like. I, you're better than me, son. I I don't know yeah, that I would. It took me a while before I was watching Hindi movies, and even then, like I'm like, eh, couldn't this well, be an hour and a half? I mean, f- like you know, foreign to the U.S. films, like it took Run Lola Run for me to finally get it. That was the one that unlocked me to <laughs> checking everything else to, out to the whole to the whole world of cinema. World right? of cinema that I was like, give me it all. Um, so back so, to this video that yes. I wanted to talk about the the bar itself. All right, the lighted top because I mean, obviously that's that's a nod to The Shining, right? Yeah, yeah, and the people appearing, and yeah, that's got to be somewhere in the mindset, whether they know it or not. Yeah, this is very much like if you check out those Night Belongs to Michelob uh, <laughs> commercials. This is uh, you can definitely see the uh, the line. Like mm-hmm. there's a straight line between this. Uh, good song, great video. Yeah, I think this is a this is a cool one. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed the editor uh, Doug Dowdle. Okay. He uh, directed Rick Springfield and Iron Kara videos, and he did Bonnie Tyler. So, so our director McKay he does Bonnie Tyler Total Eclipse of the Heart. This guy directs Holding Out for a Hero video. Another. So they they another shared James a Bonnie Stein. Tyler. Yeah. 
and I think both Jim Steinman as well. I could be mm. wrong on holding out for a hero. Okay. Uh, and, well, he edited some other videos. Uh, he did uh, Madonna's Into the Groove uh, and three Billy Joel ones, a, pre- a Pressure, which McKay he directed. He did Piano Man and Allentown. Can, Piano Man too, huh? Yeah. I guess Piano Man, you can video, see the line but... between you can yeah, see the line yeah, yeah, though, yes. with the smoky bar room, but pressure you definitely get you can see that atmosphere. Yeah. Like, like when you think of like because you gotta remember for the listeners, I know you remember that mm-hmm. a lot of critics were not necessarily kind to directors who came from music videos mm-hmm. because they saw it as all flash, yep, you know, all style, no substance. But I like I like style. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You know, and it's better when there is speaks substance. Vi- it speaks visually. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, it gives character. Uh, the, and the last thing, the notable thing I had this guy, he was the supervisor for special video material on Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill movie. Oh, okay. Which, so this, if you put two and two together, that goes and, with this shit. And I'm so glad you brought that up because Walter Hill is a director who, because he got his start earlier you know, in, in in the 60s and 70s, he never had to go the route of making music videos. Right. But having seen Streets of Fire, obviously big fan of that movie. That oh, movie's awesome. Oh, so cool. And, you know, enjoying Crossroads as well. Another good uh, mm-hmm. Walter Hill rock and roll picture that I never, I would have liked to seen what Walter Hill could have done with music videos, because I think it would have you been get that with Streets of Fire quite a little yeah. bit. But yeah, yeah, no, totally. like if he actually had to, if he, you know, after Streets of Fire flopped instead of kind of, you know, kind of floundering for the next couple of years, there's a couple gems in there. But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did struggle after that. That one kind of took the wind out of his career. I think if he went to music videos, I think he would have turned out some real cool stuff. Oh, yeah. He'd have crushed it. Yeah, he's perfect. I mean, he's the guy. If anything, he's the guy they're copying. If you th- if you think about it. So maybe that's why things look the way they do is that they were copying like a Walter Hill and being like, oh, you know, make it make it like Streets of Fire. or You know, and it's notable be- that. Uh, Duran Duran keeps coming up on this series that we're doing. They were huge at this. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about a music fucking video band? That's a band who I've never i I don't like them as much as I like their look. I have never enjoyed their music like outside of like a handful of the singles as mm-hmm. much as I enjoy kind of their their style. Yeah, yeah, and their their music's been used in movies in clever ways. There's the uh, the Daniel Craig movie, um, Layer Cake, was it? And they did I, I, like ordinary I, I, world. I, I'm familiar with that one, but I have not seen it. It's a, it's a, the most not guy rich. It's a, it's a not a guy Richie movie, but it might as well be. Um, listen, Matthew Vaughn's first. I think it might be Matthew Vaughn. Uh, I like him. Did that one, um, but he uses Duran Duran in a clever way in that movie. Um, Matthew yeah. Vaughn, uh, good soundtracks. Uh, it was because of him I really got into Brian Ferry. Because he did the mm. Kingsman movies, yes? Yeah, yeah. No, he I just... always get him and Reeves confused because they came around at the same time. Yeah. I, I love Matthew Vaughn. Um it's funny he got he kept leaving like projects that would have sequels, but the Kingsman's the one, like I guess that's the one he sticks with. Um but he they one interesting thing, he was like courted, he was one of the directors courted to do Star Wars episode seven when Disney took over. Uh and I was really excited about that. I'm like, well, that's a guy who could do like he could get it and do new stuff to it, um, too. And I like his style, but it did not. That's did too not bad. I would have liked that. I, I, I mean, I am, I am 50, 50 on the last, the last Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. but 
I, I think maybe he would have maybe been a better fit than Ryan Johnson. Hmm. I see. I love Last Jedi. So no, I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm a I'm a lover a whole, of that movie. So a whole other show. A whole other <laughs> right show. There. That yeah. That's that's that territory that goes into the Star Wars comes up. Um. But. Uh. Yeah. I think that's the first time we referenced Star Wars this whole series. So that's impressive yeah. for both of us. That's way to go. Well way done. to go. Uh. Yeah. My my whole thing overview of that t- for you, Mike, quickly is like I. I don't get bad at the Disney thing. I think the course of the movies they've made, the television shows us a different discussion. Over the, the the movies they made, the five of them, I think at least everybody at least got one that they enjoyed, and that's a pretty good batting average. Mine was Star so, Wars is a a tight, really, yeah. So yeah, mine think, was mine was Solo. Solo was the one I was like, Solo's a good. Oh, to me, I watched that one. I said, Oh, they finally got it right, you know. And a lot of people <laughs> saw a different one and said they got it right, you know, <laughs> absolutely. like absolutely. Um, I mean, that's what happened. I don't think know, anyone watched Rise of Skywalker and thought they got it right, but uh, you know, that's, haha, that's my I didn't right mind. There. Rise of Skywalker. No, they got a lot right in Rise of Skywalker. It's just too little too late for me. There's a story they're never going to tell about making that movie. That's the one. That's the funny thing. There's a story they're never going to tell. Yeah. They're going uh, to tell us, well, this is what we play. This is what we we're going to do. This is, we all had a good time. Like, I don't know. It's just uh, amazing how a franchise that large, how they didn't have a plan. Like, <laughs> just astounding to me. Yeah. The- astounding. George anyway. kind of didn't, but but uh, the motels had a plan in this uh, this video. I think a great. This. Like I said, I just really did, like. What can I say? This is a visual medium. The style mm-hmm. of this thing is great. They, uh, oh, they have. Uh, I like the the hair and the wind for the guitar and sax solos that go on there. Um, oh, yeah. Big big fan of the 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 the, the fan. Yeah, you know, as much as I love the fog machine, the fog machine ain't shit without the fan. Yeah, she gets a guy who got, like randomly comes up and kisses her. She's like, uh-uh, no, off. <laughs> very, very simple. but uh, yeah, the, the the basic premise is like all these people are having a good old time at the bar, but her like it's a the best nightclub in 1920s. I don't know, uh, but it's just not working out for her. Um, and I, it's I, very I, moody. Well, one of the funniest thing is like the video. So the song has guitar and sax solos, but every time one of them occurs, they focus on the string section in the house band <laughs> that's played up there. I'm like, that's not the right instrument. I'm like. If they got strings, they have a, they have horns somewhere. Like, so that, that was kind of a, a funny thing. Um, but blame yeah, it the, on the editor. Blame it on Mister Streets of Fire. Right, right. Yes, and we we talked about the bartender. Um, had to be shining. Um, yeah, that's a cool. I like the I like the lighted bar top. Although in uh, in reality, that would be a bitch to keep clean. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet uh, this video did win a uh, best performance in a music video at the American Music Awards. I don't know. Did they, I don't think that award lasted very long, did it? No. It's like one of the only times I've ever read that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That, I don't think some of them added music video categories that would later die like the Grammys did. Um, then the VMAs were about a this year or the year the next year away from oh yeah grammy's first awarded 1988 last awarded 1989 yeah there we go it's so funny that bands still shoot music videos because Mm -hmm. i love it you know as somebody who came up in that era i mean watching music videos was right and just I i guess you watch them on youtube but it's 
just weird to think that there isn't just a channel of music videos playing all the time anymore. Right. I mean, but yeah, we had MTV, VH1, BET. There is the box where you could call well, and re- and pay for a music video to play. I, just, I was just talking about the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was a national thing or a Midwest thing. I'm sure there were variations, but across the country. Yeah. But the box holds a spe- very special place in my heart. And I talked about it on the Playboy podcast because we were doing the September 1985 issue. Which okay. Madonna's the cover girl, but she didn't pose for Playboy. These were old pictures from 79 and 80 that they uh, they bought and put. Okay. Um, so. The box. You uh, so let's go back to 1992. Madonna is going through her erotica phase. Yeah. And MTV will not play the erotica video. And if they do, they only play it late at night. But one Sunday late at night, I'm watching the box. The erotica video came on. And this may be TMI for some of your listeners. But that was the first time I masturbated and knew what I was doing. Like, <laughs> you know, because when you're for those who don't know, for the for the ladies out there, this might be the same case for you. But like when you're a man, when you're a young man, when you're that age, like, <laughs> you don't know how to do it. And you do all sorts of wild shit and are like you're like, oh, you don't realize how that, that feels good because you don't realize that you were just masturbating. Yeah. That Madonna was the first, my first, like the first one. And it was, you know, the, the erotica video, which probably set the stage for a lot of perversions I have later in life. Ah. That ah. was, that was like the first time I said, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> but the thing about the box was so many people would get in trouble. It was like, the, cause it was essentially 900 number. Right. Yeah. 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 You would you would call it so many times because you'd watch that video a million times. But I don't understand because I was 12 and I figured out, well, what you do is you call. I got asked my mom, hey, can I call you? Can I call this video in, you know, like Jurassic Park by Weird Al Yankovic? I call mm-hmm. it in and then I taped it. And then right. I just watched it as many times as I want. Like, Bam. The, 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 like, oh, come on. By I, We were we were well off enough, but we weren't rich. Like everybody had a VCR by 92 or 90. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come yep. on. Come on. Yeah. But the call, like, you know, you you heard countless stories about that, about some teenager would call a million times and, you know, the, the bill would come through. The phone bill would come through to the box and it'd be, you know, four hundred, five hundred dollars. But also like you could just wait and, like, and some of them would play. Well, but there was yeah, the danger that someone would call and request <laughs> one in the middle of the one you were watching and immediately end it and play the one that yeah. someone called in. <laughs> well, the box was cool. I, I love when that comes up because I don't know if that was a national thing or a strictly because where where did you grow up? Indiana. So Yeah, so we were close enough. Yeah. Yeah. I knew one thing I used to do, did you ever do this too? Like I would take a VHS tape. And I would just like let it record MTV in the wee hours of the night and see what I caught in the the next day. Like no. I would just, I would like, I'd be like, I'd find like we, I found like liquid television that way because it didn't used to air during prime time stuff. Right, I, I like, did love with, of course, old videos, way like like rare video. Like I would just, you know, throw it out there, wake up in the morning and like fast forward around, see what I caught. See well, here's, anything here, crazy. Here was something I did, and this is how like. It's so weird when you look back on what you had to do to get what you can just get on a Blu-ray now, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just talking about this on the Halloweenies, or not? Well, th- we were, I was just talking about this a couple months ago on the Halloweenies yeah. podcast when <laughs> we were fresh co- again when we were covering Army of Darkness, and I was so excited for that movie to come out. And for your younger listeners, you used to not have YouTube, so if you wanted to see a trailer or a commercial for a movie, you just had to see it. Yeah. So 
I would figure out like what shows they were showing Army of Darkness commercials during. So I'd be like watching like reruns at Cheers at four o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. and taping the commercials, trying to catch the Army of Darkness commercial so that I could watch it incessantly preparing myself. I would record Entertainment Tonight because Entertainment Tonight oh. would be your place to debut trailers. That was it. That inter- and Entertainment Night was worse because they would only show like a little bit of it sometimes. They'd cut oh, off yeah. the front and back end, you know? Or it'd be like right at the end and they'd be like, oh, well, that looks like fun. Oh, <laughs> you did cut out the money shot. God damn. Mary Hart. Why? Yes. John Tesh, you big dumbass. Yeah. Big motherfucker. Round ball rock motherfucker. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, man. You, like, but now it's just so funny when I look back at it. Like, and the same thing, like I'd watch Entertainment Tonight or um, Hollywood Insider on yep. CNN. And just, you know, when oh, it was a movie that I was interested in or that I was looking forward to, be it like Army of Darkness and Weekend of Purdy's too. And it's all like in that 92 to 93 phase, like just trying to collect all this stuff. And now you can go on YouTube and find it all. There were other weirdos yep. who were out there doing it. I right, guess. yeah, I yeah. That puts you at ease a little bit. But they're the or weirdos that just... took the time to like digitally transfer it and upload it to YouTube. Yeah, I've since lost all those VHS. I'm pretty sure my mom tossed most of those because a lot of it was just it's VHS. It was junk. You know, who mm-hmm. knows what was on it? Well, I don't I've think had... I lost anything good. I told Jessica Osmond, who's on the show a lot. She's the voice of the the my MC on the show too. Like she had this show. Um, Oh, what was his name? Max Headroom. What's the actor? Uh, Matt Fewer. Matt Fewer. Fewer. He had a short-lived sitcom called Doctor Doctor. Forgotten. Okay. And she don't had, remember that one. And I usually remember that junk. She had every episode on VHS. Like she she watched with her dad or something like. But she had every still has it. And like it's nowhere. Nobody do do this shit exists. You look up the streaming things. Like it just doesn't come up. It's on IMDb and stuff, but it's never been on DVD. Never it like went for or like never got never got an official VHS. Yeah, I'm release. like you, you could be a hero. Upload that shit. Upload it. Upload it. And that, now it's on. Some streaming service has it now. Oh, some streaming service. Yes, but, but that's work. Yeah, fucking streaming that shit, or rather uploading that shit, digitizing that shit. That's work. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you got you got a gem there. But now, now you can watch it on I think Tubi or something. It's on one of those. Of course, Tubi, Tubi, the best, the best. Tubi's the best streaming service. Too, like the free services are like the best one. Like Tubi, you know, uh, the libraries, Canopy and Hoopla are very good. And it's so funny. That's that's where that generational gap comes in because these kids were like, oh, but you got to watch ads. I'm like, yes. We used to call them commercials yeah. and we used to look forward to them because we would have, we were so stupid. We had favorite commercials that we yep. like to see. And I could get up and piss or go grab something like, and well, you come know, back. that's how I use it. Like I yeah. like the ads because it's like, Oh, time to fuck around on the phone. Uh, uh, time to, you know, take a piss time to go get a snack. And you, I, I don't pause it. I try to run back. You know, like the good old days. Yeah, I have, I have, and, and I have the ninety nine. I have, I have Hulu for ninety nine cents a month because I catch the the Cyber Monday deal every year and renew. Nice. But it's it's you have to have ads and be like, oh, you have Hulu with ads. I'm like hell, yes, I have Hulu with ads. I'm paying ninety nine fucking cents a month. I can sit through the ninety <laughs> second commercials, and I yeah. like them because I can go whoo for a sec. Chill. The problem is most back. of the ads stink, though. Like well, all they, the ads are horrible. The there's there's would, no good ads, but I was watching old commercials, and like I'm just talking. You know, we were talking about that 1988 Michelob Night Belongs to Michelob campaign. There's no artistry in advertising anymore. No, or no. maybe I just sound like an old man. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, Jessica, and I do a segment where we just talk about old commercials. So there is a there is an art to them. There's a hey, you do, and, bring me on for the Night Belongs to Michelob. 
Uh, I will put. I'll, I'll pop one in. We'll. I'll, have to, I'll find it. But we'll do beer commercials. And uh, you're gonna love the night. You. You. All right. You are gonna love the night belongs to Michelob. All family. right. I will let Jessica know the next time we will do do beer commercials, and she will. I'll bring you on for that. So, cool. Uh, but this is a lot of extra added extra, very '80s related stuff. So. I no, but that's good. the fun of these things. Yes. That's, that's the fun of this show. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I mean, yeah. anybody can go read Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Right. right. It's experience. But we're it's not, yeah. giving you the experience. We're giving you, you know, insight into our personalities, into our lives. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. It's definitely. And it's, you know, it's called the You're Brandon finding Peter out show. when I masturbated for the first time. I love it. I love it. It's going to be the, the clip to sell the show on. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do love it. All right. But Mike, I appreciate you coming on for a summer of 82 oh, thank at 40. You, thank you. Thank you for having been great. me. This has been a blast. Um, yeah. And, you know, of course, we already have plans for your returns for like uh, Masters of the Universe. Now you're on a commercial episode that you would you would be on one of those. Uh, G.I. Joe the movie. So, Oh, that's right. We do have the G.I. Joe the movie. G.I. Joe the movie. Those are some of the ones you've thrown in the hat there that I'm very eager to get to. But um, until then... Um, this August, what you got going on? Just the normal, the usual. August already, you know. One of my, one of my favorite. Well, growing up, August was one of my favorite months of the year because that's when you release the movies would release all the good junk, all the good trash used to come yep. in August. But August is always very melancholy because as much as I am a man who loves seasons, I really do enjoy summertime. And if it's August, I'm probably regretting that I didn't take more advantage of the summertime <laughs> months, like I say I'm going to do every year. But gotcha. Uh, you can always check me out on Halloweenies. You can always check me out on Windy City Double Feature. You can always check me out. Cheap Tracks, still rocking and rolling. And of course, Centerfold, revealing culture through Playboy Magazine. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. Be happy to follow you back. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Braden4KUHD. Written work at com. Scott and I return Monday again. We're, I think... Fast Times at Ridgemont High, <laughs> Friday the 13th, and the Star Wars re-release are this coming episode if i'm wrong well you gotta wait or you already heard it so hey cool um yes all the films that shaped the summer of 82 right here so uh until monday stay full positive thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of 82 at 40 and News of the Moment themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. 